Okay, let's go ahead and open with prayer, and then we'll be in Ephesians chapter 6. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to come before you and to worship you. We ask you to guide and lead us as we look at your word and, and show us what you would have us to see from all of this. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6, starting at verse 1 through verse 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor the, your, your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We just want to look at this. We want to continue on this series uh, of the practical side of things. So Paul has moved on. We've, we've stepped away from wives and husbands and, and, and the relationship to the church and all of that to now he's dealing with children. And we look at this and it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. And this word obey is kind of an interesting word in Greek because it, it really means to listen. And it has the idea of the porter listening for the door. Okay, and if you had a big house and you had servants, you would have somebody that his job or her job would have been assigned to listen for the knock on the door. If you remember in Acts on the story when Peter is in prison, the church is praying for Peter to be released, there was an individual who was the porter at the door and her name was Rhoda. <laughs> okay, Rhoda heard the knock on the door. She ran there, he found out that it was Peter, closed the door and ran back. <laughs> because she was so excited Peter was out there. You know, uh, she kind of forgot to let him to come in. <laughs> you know. And then she told everybody that Peter was out there, and of course they didn't believe him because he's in prison. I mean, you know, how many times do we pray without expecting answers? And, and we always think the first church was all this perfect church, but you know, they had the same problems we did. They were praying for Peter to be released and rescued from, from being executed the next day. And when he was standing outside the door, decided that it wasn't that their, their prayers weren't answered. <laughs> you know, it took them a while to be convinced that their prayers had been answered. You know, we do the same thing, and it's pretty amazing that it's always been that way. You know, we, we talk a lot about Ecclesiastes. There's nothing new under the sun. You know, we wouldn't have the scriptures if those churches didn't have problems because we use the scriptures to deal with the problems that we have in our churches today, which are the same problems they had in the first century in the church that we think is the perfect church. Now, they did have some benefits, and they did have some good things as well, but so do we. So we want to keep that in mind. But we're looking at this. He says, children, listen to your parents. And it also has the idea of submission. And again, we've talked about submission. Submission is to arrange yourself under authority. It has nothing to do with being better or worse or, or whatnot. And if you've been in the workplace at any length of time, you know there's times when bosses don't know as much as some of the subordinates. But they're the boss, so you have to listen to them, in spite of whether they know what they're talking about or not. So here it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Obedience. Now there comes a time when, for almost everybody in this room, <laughs> that you're not listening, you're not obeying everything your parents say because you're on your own. Especially those who get married, because it says that you're to leave your father and mother and cleave to one another. And we talked about that last week as well. There is a time when we separate ourselves from our parents. That doesn't mean that we disrespect them. 
It doesn't mean that we tell them they don't know anything about what life. You know, besides, which is kind of interesting that when you're really young, your, kid, your parents are really smart and know everything. Then you get to be older in your teens and early 20s, and your parents are really dumber than rocks. <laughs> and then you start getting older, and you start realizing that your parents are pretty smart, and they seem to get smarter and smarter as you get, <laughs> you get older, and you kind of wish you paid more attention to them than you did. So if we do what God says and honor and obey our parents, we could solve some problems in most cases. Now we all know there are parents out there that don't do a good job. But if you've got a godly parent, you should be listening to that parent and taking their advice. Does that mean you're going to do everything they tell you? Probably not. Much of the time you might regret that you didn't later on. But we want to be able to look at this there is no time frame on this uh, quote because he goes, he goes on to quote in verse 2. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Honor is a quite an interesting word in Greek. It means the value that you place on something. We all have things that we have honor in, in our possession that may not even be worth anything to anybody else. You know, there are some things that have just, you, they are important to you because they, you remember who gave it to you or it was a special event that was attached to it. As Christians, we should honor the scriptures above all else. But I love this idea, it's the value attached to something. And it doesn't necessarily mean that it's worth anything, but it is worth everything to you. And every one of us probably have something of that nature that is very valuable to us just because. Because somebody gave it to us. You know, it may be a worthless trinket to everybody else, but to you it is a remembrance of something. And it says here, honor your parents. And then he refers back to Exodus 20 or Deuteronomy 5, whichever place you want to go to get the commandment, Ten Commandments. Where it says, honor your father and mother that your days may be long on this world. So if you want a long life, honor your parents. If you want a short life, be as dishonorable as possible to your parents, and you'll have a shorter life. Uh, and in, in the Hebrews, you would have had a really short life if you dishonored your parents, because that was a capital crime. <laughs> so, but he says in, in Hebrew, this word honor means to obey, revere, speak kindly, and then the last part was to speak and think well of your parents. So God covered every part of that relationship with your parents. You were to speak and think. You weren't, you, you weren't going to get away with saying nice things and thinking bad things. <laughs> they were covering that in the, in the Hebrew that, no, you're going to think these, these, wealth, these good thoughts. And so here we are. It says honor. Children, obey and honor your parents. How many times have you been around somebody who speaks very cruelly of their parents? They're not fun to be around in one thing because number one, it's like, why would you speak that way, especially of your parents, but of anybody? We as Christians are supposed to build up one another, edify one another. And if you're around a Christian who's tearing down their parents, that's definitely, that's two sides that are wrong. You know, just as a fellow brother and sister, they should be edifying them. Much less the fact that they're 
their parent. You know, this is definitely one of those places where the adage that we're taught of by our, by our parents, if you can't say anything good, don't say anything at all, is it very advisable? You know, God says, if your parents are that bad, then be quiet about them and say something good anyway. You know, and one thing I've learned over the years, if you really want to look, you can usually find something good about a person. Even the most vile person has something good about them somewhere. Because we have never come across, at least I've never come across, anybody who is 100% evil and bad. Now, I've met some people that are pretty bad, but not 100%. Nobody is a, a demon or the devil themselves that we deal with. They may come close, but they're not that bad. And God is saying with our parents, honor them, respect them, because we're supposed to be submitted to them. And that submission means, again, listening to what they have to say, not, not necessarily going to do everything that they're telling you to do, because sometimes they, they may not know everything about your life, even though they're your parents. You know, I've seen even married people who think they know everything about their spouse. You know, one thing I learned is, even after all the years we've been married, over three Three and a half decades, I still don't know everything about my wife. She surprises me once in a while. Sometimes for good, sometimes not so good. <laughs> well, I do the same to you, I know. <laughs> but we don't ever know somebody completely. We may know somebody very well. And even in marriage, you know, we normally know what our spouse is going to say or do or how they're going to respond. But there's always that occasional surprise that, that keeps it different and new. But God is saying honor. This whole idea of honor and submission. Children are to honor their parents. That, three, that it may be well with you and you may live long on this earth. And this, that you may be well with you. Blessed. Well-being. When we are in a good fellowship with each other, we edify, we build each other up. Things tend to go a lot better than when you're saying bad things about somebody and wondering if it's going to come back to you. you know, one of the great rules of thumb that you want to live by is speak things behind people's back that if they hear it, it's not going to bother you. You, know, you don't want to be going behind somebody's back. Well, you know what they did. They're, 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 you know. Then you always have to wonder, are they going to hear, hear about it and get mad at you? I love being able to say good things about people. That way if they hear about it, it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> it is important for this to be the case. You know, how are we living with each other? Are we being people that speak with exhortation? Are we being people who build others up? Nothing's worse than being around somebody who's always tearing somebody down. You know, one thing I learned a long time ago, if they're tearing somebody down, they're probably tearing you down when you're not there, too. We want to be around people that are positive, uplifting. They're going to say, this person tries hard. You know, maybe they do have problems. But we all have problems. One of the things I shared at the prison the other day is, you know, how many times do we as Christians learn to follow God in, in a certain way that he's teaching us. We, you know, we end up building our own kind of list of this is how a Christian lives, depending on how God has taught me to live. You know, 
you know, and I've gone through this. You know, there's certain things I can't do that may not be a thou shalt not, but they're just the principle God said, you can't do this. We all have them because God deals with us. We, we commit a sin and he says, you can't do that anymore. Or, or we're reading through the scriptures and we go, oh, okay, God, you're telling me I can't do this. Whatever that might be. The problem comes in when we take our list that he's teaching me to live by and I hold it up next to somebody else and say, nope, you're not living by my list. Nope, you're not living by my, you know, the problem is you're not gonna find anybody who lives up to the list God gave you mm-hmm. at all. But the real problem is you're holding up this list saying you're not living, you're not, you're not as good a Christian because you're not living up to these rules. The other people are holding up their list and saying, well, you're not a very good Christian either. You're not living by the rules God showed me. Which is why we have to stand and fall before our own maker. We're not called to judge other Christians and saying you're living bad or good. Important on it. Does that mean that we don't want to say anything if somebody is living in sin? That's not necessarily true either. But the one thing I want to tell you is if you don't take time to pray for somebody and you haven't been on your knees praying for them for for weeks, not just, okay, I prayed for them for 24 hours, I can go tell them, no. If you haven't taken time to pray for somebody, don't go starting to tell them how bad their sin is. Love them enough to pray for them before you go and get in their face about how they're living. Because God will do one of two things. He'll either change your attitude toward what they're doing, or he might just change them on on his own because you're praying for them. Either way, there's a victory in there. And then after you've done you've prayed for them, you've shown enough love to pray for them, then you might be able to go and say, hey, you know, I'm really concerned. I see this going on in your life. But if you don't love them enough to pray for them, you have no business telling them how sinful and bad their behavior is. Are there actions that can cause problems for a Christian? Absolutely. The world knows the things. You know, they look at us all the time and say, well, that's not a very Christian thing to do. And the, and the world looks at us and they hold us to a very high standard. You know, if you've ever dealt with a non-Christian family member or something, you know, the, 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 they go, well, you know, you're not being very Christian. You know, you didn't say, you know, you weren't being very loving. You weren't being very nice. You, you know, I know you got drunk last weekend or you had this or that, you know, and they're looking at us and they're saying, we've got problems and you know what we do. We're sinners. <laughs> We're gonna make mistakes. We repent and we try to be a better testimony in front of them. There are times when we need to share with one another, you know, I'm really concerned about this part of your life. But again, make sure you're praying for that person. You don't just go up to them and, and, and hit them between the eyes with both barrels saying you're, you're living a bad life. Because they might just turn around and look at you and say you're not living that great a life either. <laughs> and we want to be careful with this. And here it's saying honor that it may be well with you. And then it says that you may live long on this earth. Now, I love the Greek word here because it's macrochronos. <laughs> Macro, much or many, chronos, time. <laughs> it's a very, I just love the word. It's, a, it's just a fun word to say. Macrochronos, that you will have a large time on the earth. Okay? That's what he's promising. When we honor our parents, he's promised us a long life and a blessed life he said just before that that it, that it would be well with us 
So if you want a long, very well life, honor your parents. Very easy. Of course, we're talking to the people that don't, don't, don't need a long life, because most of us have had a fairly long life already, except for the one over there at the computer. <laughs> He's young. <laughs> so but we're looking at this long life. Then Paul turns to the fathers. And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. This is something that fathers oftentimes have problems with. Uh, you hear it every once in a while, do it because I said so. <laughs> well, that does a, doesn't do much good in keeping somebody from being provoked. Or worse yet, we were talking about that t this morning, uh, do what I say, not what I do. <laughs> now, that is terrible because you might get them, if they're young enough, to obey because you said to do it. But they're looking at you and saying, boy, what a hypocrite. You know, that, that's the father who's drinking and smoking, telling their, telling their teenager, you're, I don't want to catch you drinking or smoking, and you're, and, as you're, and you're telling them this as you're drinking and smoking. Uh, doesn't go over well. We want to be looking at, especially as fathers, and it can apply to mothers to a degree, not to provoke our children. Sometimes giving reasons for why they're doing it is the best thing you can do. As Christians, we should have reason, reasons for what we do. Because we have a book that tells us <laughs> why. Why we're doing what we're doing. We're respecting God. We're honoring God. One of the worst things you can do, and we've also seen it with bosses, which we'll be talking about next week, but bosses oftentimes will do, just do this because I said so. Well, one of the things I learned as a boss, if I told them why we were doing it, I usually got better cooperation than just telling them, go do this. Now, they knew if it was busy and we were you know, in a tight spot, if I just told them to do something, they were to do it, because they knew normally I would tell them why. But for fathers, we are to not rouse our children to anger. I love part of the Greek word on this. It means to exasperate. <laughs> you know, have you ever had somebody do that to you? Just the way they talked to you just made you angry? Maybe they were even telling you the right thing, but it was the how. No love behind it, no, no caring. It was just delivered in a very harsh way. We want to be very careful with all of these things. How do we deal one with another? Beyond just our children, but even one with another as fellow Christians. There's ways to be able to talk to somebody that will make them angry, and there's ways to say the same thing in a more gentle, encouraging exhortation. And we need to learn to be able to share with one another in gentleness, in kindness, with love. Sometimes if you have the right love and the people know that you love them, you can say something pretty hard to them, but they know that you care for them. I had a friend about uh, six months ago, I had to say something very hard to him, but he knew that I loved him enough to, and I cared about him and didn't want to see him continue down that path. He didn't want to hear it anymore. He, he didn't want to hear it, but he also knew that it was because I cared. And we'd already invited each other to be able to share those kind of things, so it wasn't that bad. But it's still, I could see the tenseness in his body when, I'm, when I was sharing with him on this issue. And I knew it would be a hard issue to talk about. And yet, he was able to take and, and move forward.
And he called me up a couple days later and said, I needed to hear that even though I didn't want to. We need to love one another. There are times when love says, share hard things. But it's got to be in love. If you just go up and attack somebody because of something you see in their life, it's not going to go over well. God says, love them. And that's why I say, if you're not praying for somebody, you don't love them to start with, and you shouldn't be sharing with them at all. Because you can't share that love. And then it says to bring up your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And I want to bring out this statement. This is to fathers. And most fathers have abdicated their responsibility to train their children in the Lord. And this is something that is not a good thing to have happen. Fathers have, in our country especially, have not brought up their children to follow God. They don't bring their children to church. They don't do Bible studies at home. They don't answer the Bible questions at home. This is not good because this verse says that they are to bring up their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Raise them up, and I love this, raise them up to stand on their own in maturity for God. One of the things we tend to not do as parents is teach our kids to stand on their own over time. When they're young, it's very good just to tell them, this is what you're to do, this is what you're to do. One of the things when my kids got to be teenagers that I tried to do a lot of times is, I tell them, this is not a good Bible-based decision, and I tell them why. And then let them make their own decision. While I was still there and Lynn was still there to be able to help them, <laughs> when they fell flat on their face, away from God, and be able to lift them up and say, okay, we told you what, the, we told you what would happen. You didn't believe us, now maybe you'll listen the next time. And when our children start to be teenagers, and think about this for your great-grandchildren, for most of us, or your grandchildren, we need to be able to share with them, this is what God says to do. Encourage them to do what God says to do. And then be ready to pick them up, brush them off, and try to edify them and say, hey, you know, do you think maybe you want to do it right the next time? You know, we'll keep trying to help you. Because our goal is to bring people into maturity so they can make their own decisions for God. Because if you're sitting there and they're 20 years old and you've been the one making all their decisions for them all the way through their teen years, all of a sudden they've got some responsibility that they're not ready for. We need to grow one another. My job as a pastor is to help you all grow in, in Christ. So that you can go off and you can talk to other people that you know. That you can do a home Bible study with these people and teach them what you know. Our job as Christians is not just to go out and lead the people to Christ, but it is to disciple people. To teach them how to make good biblical decisions. Sometimes at the very beginning that means we hold their hand through a lot of the decision. <laughs> step by step through the decision making. Eventually, we let go of their hand and let them make their decisions. It's kind of like when you're teaching a kid to ride a bike, you know, back, especially back before the days of training wheels. <laughs> you held that bike for quite a ways, running, running behind that bike with them. <laughs> but eventually, you had to let go of that bike and they had to ride without you 
holding that bike. Then they'd fall down. <laughs> you'd help them up. You'd love them for a moment, put them back on the bike so they could get back on the bike. And eventually, they didn't need you anymore. The ultimate goal for us as we disciple people is to get them to the point where they don't need us hardly at all. They're out discipling other people, taking what you taught them and teaching it to others. That's our ultimate goal with people. This is the purpose of church, is to equip people to go out, share the gospel, and, and disciple people. Now, will you ever totally outgrow your discipler? Not usually. <laughs> the people in my life that were my disciplers are still ones that I go to to ask questions. I just don't go to them as often as I used to. Because I've grown, I've grown a lot, and I now know how to get the answers that they would get. But every once in a while, let's go to them and just say, hey, you know, I was thinking about this topic, and this is what God showed me. What do you think? You will never completely outgrow your discipler, and every single person needs somebody discipling them. By the same token, every single person needs somebody that they're discipling. For many people, it will be your children, or your grandkids, or your nieces, your nephews. We need to be discipling somebody. We need to be pouring out what God is showing us into others. Because there's nothing worse than to not pour out what you're learning. You need to share what you learn. Because otherwise, it just works itself into death. The Dead Sea is dead, not because it doesn't have lots of nutrients, but it has no outlet. Everything it gets in becomes toxic. The Sea of Galilee has an outlet, and it stays live. We need to be able to pour out. We need to pour out what God's sharing to us. We also need to be learning. We need to be getting into God's Word, and this is why I encourage everybody, read the Bible every day. If you follow the plan that we have in the back, you'll read through the Bible every year. And I've already heard people tell me as they're on their, I guess, third year now, that they're seeing things they hadn't read the first two years. <laughs> and I've already shared with you, I've been doing this same plan for just a few more years than that, for over, 40, or over four decades. And there's still times when I'm reading it, I'm going, uh, and very teasingly to God, asking when he added that verse there, because I don't remember ever reading it. <laughs> You know, and that's having read through it a lot of times. <laughs> you know, and all of a sudden, you come across something, and it just stands out for you and says, pay attention to me this time. <laughs> I love the scriptures because there's always something in there that says, pay attention to me, no matter how many times you've read it. I've read pastors who said that they th think that they could preach on the same chapter or even same verse for an entire year and still have something new to say. And you know, I understand what they're saying. I'd never try to do that. But I do understand what they're saying because God shows you new and deeper aspects of it. And so we want to just look at this. Fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Our job. Mothers, it doesn't let you off the hook completely, but specifically the fathers are told to do it. And we need to be able to look in that. And I challenge, because we have people here that are much older, I challenge us, look at our grandkids, our great-grandkids, nieces, nephews. If your kids aren't doing their job with your grandkids, you take it on and do to get those kids to, into God. If they're doing a good job with making a God, then you help them <laughs> with the grandkids. 
Because God wants every generation to follow him. And God doesn't have any grandkids. He only has children. Each generation has to make their own decision for him. And our job as parents was to raise our kids up. Hopefully we raise them up so they follow God. If they don't, hopefully we did a good enough job that eventually they'll come back to him. I saw that with my oldest son. He was away from God and all of a sudden now he's back with God. He was raised upright. They will come back eventually if they're raised. And then they'll realize how, much you, how good a job you taught, did teaching them as they get into other churches and find out that they know certain things. So just want to encourage us, you know, for us with our parents, let's make sure that we're honoring our parents. And for those of us who still have kids or grandkids, let's do a good job nurturing them into God. Let's bow our heads. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for how much you love and care for us. Lord, we ask that you help us to learn to be submitted to our parents and learn to help us to reach out to our children and grandchildren. Lord, if there's anybody here that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, we ask that they come to a realization that they are a sinner, they, that they deserve punishment, and that you paid that price and will accept you as their Lord and Savior. And we just thank you for today's message, and we ask you to bless the rest of the time in singing. In Jesus' name, amen.